The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Hanga, our recommended game of the week, share our power play notebook in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with the High Five Animal Games. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, the esteemed Dr. Michael McCabe. What's happening, Doug? Episode 45, congratulations. Yep, congratulations to making it to Michael Jordan's baseball That's number. That's right where I was going. <laughs> and a brief basketball stint against the New York Knicks. Yep, yep. <laughs> he put up the double nickel in 45. He had a 55 Was that 95? Points. Yeah. 95? No, well, 90. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Um... Totally was. Yeah, totally was. <laughs> well done. Just doing the math myself. 9-5. Yes, sir. All right. Um, okay. Have you played anything recently? Let's talk about that first. Yeah. Work, laundry, uh-huh. dishes. Those are fun games. Uh, um, work, spreadsheets, pivot <laughs> tables. No, just a lot of work lately. Um, my wife is involved with the high school musical, and it's tech week. So I feel really happy to be out of the house, and once in a while it's okay to be away from your kids. So mm. I was very much looking forward to this podcast tonight, because I've had a, a lot of action in my house lately. You? Uh, I have one game that, well, I've been busy as well. I went to Bob Dylan, uh, hey, Bob Dylan concert in Milwaukee. Are you going to sing op- for us? Opened up the tour. Now, here, he's 80 years old. That's awesome. Now, here's, what's, here's the ballsy part of this, is that his tour... Starts in 2021. Okay. It ends in 2024. What? That's what the t-shirts say. <laughs> so the 80-year-old man is planning on touring for another three years. So the t-shirts, do they list all the sites on the tour? I didn't or how's see it set that up? far. Okay. But okay. I was just flabbergasted by the first part. Went to see the new James Bond movie last night. You saw that without me? Uh, I knew. I'm, I'm a little hurt, man. Well, here's the thing. I didn't. I don't know how long oh. it's going to be in the theater. Yeah. It and it's winding down. I've been slowly watching it disappear from theaters. This is the only time I had to go see it. And I knew you had rock climbing last night. Oh no, rock climbing's done. Anyway. Oh, it was done. Oh. Oh, and my dad and I were the only ones in the theater. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> a great time. How was it? It was good. Don't spoil. Okay. It was good. good it was good. 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 Um. Well, I know what I need to do after podcast tonight. <laughs> All right, so we did play one game, you yes, and I, yes. over the weekend, and I want to talk about it with your permission. Talk about it. Which is, well, I want to talk about the end. Where... <laughs> oh, I plan on talking about it, Okay, but let's so, tell them about the game uh, and what played, it is. We played a game called Dinosaur World, which the story behind Dinosaur World is, imagine that Jurassic Park really exists, and... Na, 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 <laughs> Stop, I'm gonna have, sorry, we're going to have sorry. to pay money for that. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> That just cost us three grand. Um, so the world of Jurassic Park exists, and now people are getting in on the game of cloning dinosaurs, and, and, and these theme parks are popping up all over the place. It's a more complicated game. It's uh, got some length to it. Yep. And 
the goal is is you're using DNA to try and and uh, create dinosaurs and you're making attractions. At the same time, there's danger involved with cloning a dinosaur, and people may perish. Yes. Um, so you die. Ha- yeah, you have to get your Eaten by dinosaurs your security level up. Um, and here's where the funny part is. So the goal is to not necessarily, you know, you want the most points. I see what you're building towards, man. I don't like what I'm walking into here, Doug. So at the final round. No, let's talk about how well did I do in the first three rounds of the game? It's irrelevant. How about up through round four? It's Who irrele- is in the lead? It's irrelevant. We, I think I topped out at like 70 points in the 70-point mm-hmm. range. Michael was slightly ahead before we had to calculate in the losses from death. In which he ended with negative 10. Negative points. So I think the actual number was I was winning 69. Doug had 63. And and that was going into the final countdown. Then when you subtract for the number of dead people in Dinosaur World, <laughs> I went down to negative 10. Yes. Even, even Michael's daughter came by and watched what was happening and goes, why are so many people coming to your park still? And I said, because it's very cheap. <laughs> So yeah. it was uh, it was a good experience. We'll dive more into that. Um, don't have a final verdict on it, but oh, I want to play it again. It was, it was a, a two-hour game, so that's that's longer than a lot of the games that we talk about here. And there was um, some learning involved, and there's a lot more simultaneous play that can happen once mm-hmm. you know the game. So I think it probably gets to about an hour and a half. Yeah, it was um, fun to get together in the, in the grand scheme, play a game. So then we're gonna start doing something new here which is talking about some of the new games that are coming into our houses and sharing why we're adding those to our collection. Now, these are not um, endorsements that these are great games. They're the reasons why we brought them into our collection. They may not stay. They may become recommended games. Not a segment? I thought you were calling this a new segment. You don't feel bold enough to put a segment title on this? No. Okay. No, it's just part of... Part of something we do. Part of what opening banter. I think so. Okay. I think it'll work there because I don't know. I don't know if we have the financial resources to be adding this segment every week. <laughs> I'm not saying every week, but whenever well, it happens, that's okay. way too much. Ed- that's podcast editing that I can't okay. get into. Okay, Go adding ahead. and taking out a whole standardized segment every run week. sheet. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Okay, so have you acquired anything? No. <laughs> all right. Well, I've acquired a lot, and I'm going to break it up so we're not talking about all of them. Um, in and I'll push some to next week. So what I heard you say, and mm-hmm. and now I sound mm-hmm. like a fool because yes. I said what I heard you say is that you have acquired so many games since mm-hmm. our last episode that you have to scatter them over the next three or four episodes. Yes. Okay. Tell yeah. us stuff. Yeah. I'm excited to hear. It <laughs> to, sounds like I'm going to play some awesome games. Yeah. To to make me feel like I'm in a better place than I am and making smarter decisions, <laughs> I would like to do that for my own mental health. Um, all right, so the first one is Seven Wonders Architects. This is pitched as a kind of a streamlined version of Seven Wonders, very different. Quicker, uh, smoother. Yeah, different concept. Instead of drafting cards and passing hands around the table, you've, you've basically got three cards that you can take from uh, to start building your wonder. So I, I'm kind of curious. My, my thought process behind this is, Obviously, we love Seven Wonders. It's a recommended game of the week. But the other thing was wondering if this had the same feeling of some of the smaller Ticket to Rides yeah. or the smaller Pandemics to see if it kind of fit that same same niche. I know a lot of people think Seven Wonders is kind of a beginner game, but I've sometimes had trouble teaching that to new players 
because um, there is a lot of iconography. So I'm yeah. wondering if this is uh, potentially a better entry point. Well, and you're actually building your wonder out in this game. So yeah, I'm looking from the base up, looking forward to seeing how yeah, that you're plays. And yeah, you're flipping over different tiles to actually kind of construct it, where in the original Seven Wonders, you're kind of, that's more abstracted. Um, what flavor of Mountain Dew is that, Doug? Sorry, but that's a new one for me. This is Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. Okay. I think they just didn't want to say diet. Oh, okay. I think it's a branding Good thing. Brand. Yeah. So what else is in your collection in this right. non-segment opening banter? Yeah. Tell us about yeah. other games you've added. <laughs> the other one is Savannah Park, which this one comes from the pedigree of uh, Kramer and Kiesling. Uh, you might know their works from such things as Azul and Downforce. Uh, just a dynamite. Well, only Kiesling was Azul, but I, I get And it. only Cromer was Downforce. See go. what I did there? I, I see it. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so um, this is a, an animal game that you are moving kind of tiles around and manipulating them into herds and, and trying to do that. And so it's a family weight game from Capstone. Good theme, good yeah. designers. That's why it why it's coming here. We recently played another family game from the Capstone line, Juicy Fruits, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm excited to see that. When I saw it on the table, I thought, oh, let's try that. That could be a future recommended game of the week. I think there's a lot of potential there for that. Yep. And Micro Macro, Crime City. Tons the, of hype around that game. Well, it was the Spiel des Jahres winner. Um, this is... I don't know as much of a game as it is kind of an activity. It's almost like a Where's Waldo, the board game. Um, but it was very interesting when I was opening up the, the box and the rules, and it said there's a message for parents that you can play it for kids, and there's, you know, it's dealing with crime and all the things that kind of go on with crime, and there's various um, age-level recommendations that yeah. they kind of have, and one of them is great play with kids. The next one, um, I think... Uh, goes up to a certain level, and then there's a third level. I think there's like 16 cases. You're basically kind of hunting around this gigantic map looking for clues yeah. of, of how, the, how the crime was committed. Uh, and the last one I want to talk about is Lizard Wizard. The last one for this week? Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, we'll save the other 42 for the next <laughs> several weeks. Uh, the last one is Lizard Wizard, and this is kind of like a fantasy version of Raccoon Tycoon which I love, and I think it adds a little bit more, I don't want to say complexity, but there's a couple other layers on top of it, but very similar gameplay style um, with just a, a, a little bit more going on, some slight variations, so that's why why that one caught my eye. That's great, Doug. I'm, I so. strongly encourage you to keep bringing in great games to your collection. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing that you're doing there. Oh, so, hold on. Sorry. I think I hear my wallet crying. There you go. Oh, Cl poor baby. Um, yes. All right. Well, before we move on, I want to remind everybody that we've got the Game Schooler Notebooks. We're going to be talking about another one. Uh, check out our website for those. Give us some feedback if you're using them, if you're not using them. If you even if you haven't even opened them, tell us why you haven't. So all or, feedback is good feedback at this yes, point. We yeah. want to hear from you. Cool. Yeah, let us know. Uh, you can contact us on our website. We've got a contact form. Uh, or you can email us, email at gameschooler.com. Uh, send us a question, comments, anything. Uh, let us know you're listening, even if it just say, hey, thanks, like the show. And review us on, on whatever platform you're listening to. Five-star reviews only, though. I don't yeah, know if we've said no, that yet yeah. in a while. So keep those, keep those coming. <laughs> 
keep those ones to yourself. All right, let's move on uh, to the recommended game of the week. The recommended game of the week. The recommended game of the week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection, and it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week's game is Hanga by Haba. Doug, give us the <laughs> stats. Alrighty, it was published in 2018. The designer is Gunter Burkhardt. The art is by uh, Stephanie Bohm. Two to five players, 45 minutes, ages eight and up. I don't think you got the umlaut on Stephanie's name. Can you say that one more time, Doug? Bohm. Boom. There we go. Is that what Good. I said? That's what I said. Okay. It was just fun to interrupt you and give you a hard time. Keep going. All right. So here, before I go any further, I just wanted to... Uh, Dragon's Breath has not been a recommended game of the week, has it? Dragon's Breath? From, yeah. the, from, from the School Haba. of Random Thoughts? No. From Haba. No. Okay. So I, oh, I know... Oh, you're looking at Haba recommendations. Dragon's Breath came up in a, in a high five segment for honorable okay. mention, I believe. Yeah. We've talked about it before. Uh, Gunter Burkhardt is a designer I of see. that game, um, which is where that that pops up. I know, like you, uh, yeah, high five Haba games and yep. games to play with your kids that that must have popped up in. So I wanted to to share that beforehand. So he's made a couple of good games that we like. Hanga is an action selection resource management game for two to five players, ages eight and up, set in the prehistoric period. Players take turns playing their action card to the center board. It's a circular card with uh, divided into quarters with four different spots with, with different hands on there that, that indicate the, act, the number of actions you can take. Uh, but you're paying careful attention to where they place it and how it's rotated. The number of hands pointing to an action space determines how many times you may use that action. Gather resources and use them to complete trade agreements, lure mammoths to the tribe herd, and pay homage to the old nature gods. But if you don't make sure that at least one action is allocated to Hanga's den, he'll come and steal food from you. Players must balance between keeping Hanga at bay and using their limited action points effectively. That's a very good description, and I'm not sure yep. that there's anything else that we really need to add to that. You've Other got... than the Hanga. Talk, very, get into detail about what, what if, this... Yeah, if Hanga is a saber-toothed tiger... Yeah. Uh, tiger. <laughs> A saber to tiger, uh, tiger, and it's a little wooden uh, component sits in the the middle of the board. If you don't send one of your actions to Hanga, he will come and eat your food, and yep. he will continue to eat your food every and then you turn. Won't be able to until use some, your food to get any points. Or yeah, cards. so yep. you're using your resources uh, to. Uh, like they said, you're going to be making sacrifices to to gods. You're going to be um, trying to accumulate mammoths with. Which give you special action cards if you if you have them um, that are more powerful. They have three action spaces. Normally, the the normal cards have two action yeah. spaces, and it's all about how you rotate it and where where you put it to how many resources and what actions you're taking. Um, so, what do you like about the game, Michael? There are so many options on this little board. It, when you look at the board, I, I think there's an efficiency to this game that I really like about it. I mean, how how big is this board? Is it 14, 16, 18 inches? Yeah. Um, and there is a lot going on 
on the board in a great way. It not yeah. not where it's busy, not where it's messy, but where I feel like I always have three to four different options that I could do early in the game, and then like so many wonderful games, those options just get limited and limited and limited to things that I I, I really don't want to do this, but I need to do this now. Otherwise. That tiger is going to come along and, and take away all my resources. Yeah, one of the things I like about it is the the simpleness of the game. Michael talked about that there's a com- a complexity in where you put that thing, but you only have one circle card yeah. to play on your turn. It's not like you're choosing between several cards or several. It's all about where you play the card and how it's rotated, um, what actions you're going to be taking. So I like that people aren't necessarily choosing between three or four different card options and shuffling their hand it's they're looking at the 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 game board they're looking at your car the card and figuring out how do i need to rotate this which makes it so simple to teach and learn you know you're going to be up and playing this game in no time right out of the gate yeah and uh, the bright colors i i appreciate you know i struggle with some colors and blends and things like that um, I'm usually not too big of a, ooh, the components, the pieces guy. But these little boards that, yeah. that you have, I found myself holding this little player mat and, and placing the resources and, and keeping it while I played the game. And, and then, you know, using it to lean into the table and play. So I, I liked how the wooden pieces um, play with the game. Um, it, it There's just a nice feel to it. Does that make sense, Doug? Yeah, it's got the, the the quality components. Like if you've ever played any of the other Haba games like Animal Upon Animal, it's got the same great wooden components that that has. It's a, I mean, we've talked about Adventureland in the past. It's a Haba game and that's the same type of, of wooden. It's kind of a, it's a nice glossy finish. The player mats that uh, Michael's talking about are, are dual layered cardboard. So, you're keeping track with with your your icon uh, your tokens, but they aren't going to slide off the board if you bump them. Yeah, you know they're kind of locked in place, so you don't have to worry about that, which is great for for little kids when they're reaching across the table. They're not bumping their board and screwing. Okay, how yep. many mushrooms did you have? How much water did you have? Yep. Things like that. Um, the only component issue that I have, and it's not even really that big of an issue, is the the cards are not fantastic. Yeah, they'll stick together a little um, bit. They're but I don't like it, paper it, coasters almost. Yeah, but it hasn't been detrimental to the game in any way, so it's not really a, a complaint. They just doesn't seem like they're up to the same level as the rest of them. Mm. But they're still standard quality. Nothing that's gonna jump out at you. Speaking speaking of the cards, I have one more thing that I like before I send it back to you. I really like playing the cards. Um, th- there's a little bit of take that you know, hurt your neighbor, help yourself in the game uh, with the card placement that, that, that I like. And how, how, how do you think that? Well, like, what do you think about that? That's affecting, affecting what you're doing is affecting me. Um, so there's, there's no way that you can play a card down and it's going to affect me outside of negatively. You're saying, yeah, the temple is, Outside of different races, there's a you know, and that's one of the things I like about it is there's several kind of races going on there. You're racing to um, what do they call them? Well, to complete, climb the stairs, complete trade agreements, climb to the top of the temple. There's a couple of races going on, but
but there's nothing where you're actually stealing resources from anybody or hampering anybody's progress. Okay. Um, so don't, I don't think there's very much of a take that feel in this outside of somebody just took the trade agreement that All right, I wanted let, let me rephrase. Yeah. I like the level of social interaction as I'm placing the cards. Yeah. Um, because as I'm placing cards, there's a little bit of, okay, it's not take that, but it's that, ha, 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 ha. I just placed this and moved ahead, and I won in the temple. You know, yeah. and um, There's certainly the, the, the place where it gets to those trade agreements where you can see that I have three mushrooms saved mm -hmm. up, um, and there's other bonus cards that you can get that you can have hidden in your hand of that provides special abilities as you go. And so sometimes you may have hidden resources in reserve that you can kind of play out. And I think that gives you that feeling of like, you didn't know I was that close to getting this a trade agreement. Yeah. And I'm playing this card and that's going to help me do that. Um, Did we explain the trade agreements, how those work exactly? They're just order fulfillment yeah. type things yeah. where you you're... trade in resources, you get the trade agreement, they have points on yep, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, and you're playing to a set number of points, depending on the number of players, 40 for two players, 35 for three, and 30 for four and five. The fact that it goes up to five players um, is nice. Might stretch out a little bit with that, but uh, I think the tempo is going to be scoring a lot faster. So it, it may move fast. We I've never played it with five. I've played it with four. Um, what do you like about the game, Doug? I think it's an approachable worker placement with the with the cards being, you know, you're setting out your actions as opposed to setting out individual workers. You're setting one card, and the, the hands on the card kind of act as your workers. But for a worker placement, that, that that's a very different feature from other worker placements with the hands on the card. Yeah, it's, how many resources it's, oh, it's almost like playing multiple workers at once. Multiple spots. Um, I like the push and pull, especially for kids of— when and is there a right time to not pay attention to Hanga? Yeah. And is that worth it? You know, and there's going to be very conservative players that always pet Hanga in the middle to to make sure he's not stealing your stuff. I've also played games with people that completely ignored Hanga and made it work. You know, so I think that that kind of push and pull and 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 there are several avenues of scoring, right? You can go after the, the temple points. You can go after the trade agreements. Um, the mammoth track helps you get better worker placement cards, and that's, essentially. that's what I like about it when I was talking about the different optionality. Um, there's those little mini games, or as you alluded to, the races within the game that yeah. I think this game gets better the more that you play it. It's not one time I played it, oh, that was fun. The first time you and I played it, I wanted to play right away and test a different strategy. Yeah. And, and from a game that it, it says 10 plus, or is it eight plus? It says eight plus. Eight plus, yeah, and, and it is. I mean, you could play this game with eight-year-olds. Yeah. Um, My only concern would be that some kids may struggle with processing the number of options. You know, you've got four quadrants, on your card, and you've got four different spaces that you can place your card in. Yeah. And how it's rotated within that quadrant. So you really have almost 12 options because one quadrant is usually blank on your card, right? Two of, yeah, two are always blank on the generic ones. Okay, okay. Yeah. The premium uh, well, only sometimes. Have yeah. Sometimes they have three, but. So up um, to eight options typically. That's, the, I, the, I can see that. 
you know, so that and and sometimes when you're a, an experienced player or or uh, an adult or you know, once you're getting up to that level, there is that thing of I know exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Is there a place that I can play it and do something that's beneficial? You know, what's the exact rotation and right working towards that plan? So it's got a lot of of good critical thinking going on in this game. But on the flip side, there can be some staring at the board time, right? Yeah. Where you're waiting yeah. for somebody to make a turn. Now, this is one of the recommended games of the week that I haven't played with my kids. I haven't played with, with kids. How yeah. how does it play with kiddos? Can, can you talk to our listeners a little bit? Talk to me about how have, I mean, have you played this with your kids? Yeah, I think it's a, it's kind of the same same type of thing. Like I yeah. said, some kids are, you know, there there will be a little bit of thinking at you know where to where to go. Yeah. Um. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot past the initial depth that yeah you can play it with an eight eight year old. But the higher you go, it isn't one of those like you said one and done. It's like yeah all right I got the feel. Yeah. It's hmm there's kind of a a little bit going on here in different ways and there's a little bit of reading your opponent and saying oh well they're yeah. going after what that maybe I next? can maybe I can take over this area. Um. Or we're both going to fight it over the same thing, you know, and just trying to figure out where you've got different avenues to go after. What's the ideal age, do you think? 10 and 11, 10 to 12? Is there. Yeah, I think I would say 10 or 10 and up. You know, I think I think an eight year old is is able to play it, whether they're going to be grasping all of the different things going on. Probably not. Yeah, I would say 10 to 13 ish. I think if you if you're in that upper middle school, lower high school, and you get this out on the table, people might look at it like it's a kid's game because yeah. of the wooden pieces and the colors and the art but, and the art. But if you have a game group, and if you can convince that group through the power of coercion or any other teacher tactics that you have, that no, this is a great game, guys. It, it really is. It's one that, as you said, you can learn almost almost without a rules teach. You yeah. can just get people the pieces and say. Here's what I do on my turn. Let's go. Yeah. Well, and the two things that I'll, I would say to to back that up is it's a great. I think this is one of those great games that works for a family. You know, that's yeah. stretching over multiple ages. That your, you know, the parents can play with the kids. Everybody can be as competitive as they want. And in this case, like I think you had said in the last episode, you know, when you have four four player games and somebody's got to sit out this is a game that your entire family can play our entire families yeah, yeah. you know yeah. at five at five players and nobody's teaming up you know which is a nice nice thing so i think the artwork lends itself towards that 10 11 but that also works to allow it to bridge over um the multiple age groups of a family and not being like, oh, that one's way too complicated for me. And so I, I kind of like that about it. All right. What kind of skills are, are in this game? Well, I actually brought five to the table. I thought about doing some honorable mention and squeezing some in and out, but I did narrow it down to five. Um, you want me just to jump right in with our core skill? Yep. What what, what core skill you I, got? I brought problem solving. And okay. I said that because the heart of the game is solving many problems where you have the the board with its four different quadrants, and each quadrant has almost this uh, a little challenge. So you have these four simultaneous challenges that are happening while trying not to get your resources eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. 
um, problem solving was was the main core skill that I have. And we define problem solving as um, it is a game that rewards players for finding solutions to simple or complex problems. And, mm-hmm. and they're both in the games. Yeah, game. my yeah. yeah, my core skill just piggybacks right off of that. I put decision making. Yeah. And it's a game that allows students to make decisions based on currently or previously available information. Um, that's what the game is all about. And I think it does. The reason I picked this is I think this does a really good job of the fact that, that your kids only have one card and how they rotate it and, and position it. That's their decision to make. Yeah. And there's a real ownership in what you're doing in this game that feels like this is my game. Right. You know, and it's not a game where my kid doesn't have to show me what's on their card. You know, they can make that decision for themselves. They can ask for help if they want, but there's a a perfectly set up of here's contained information that they have that they can make a choice by themselves. What are the contracts called again? Are they contracts? Trade agreements. The trade agreements are all very simple with three and four and five resources on. So you can clearly see, okay, I trade in two of these. I trade in three of these. I, I get the, trade agreement in hand. I like yep. that. So uh, those are two good core skills. All right. What, what what else you got? I have risk management. That is my next one. Go ahead. A game in which students must identify and evaluate and prioritize options to reduce the impact of unfortunate events or risks. Pretty the, clear that we both see that strongly uh, yeah, in this yeah. game. The namesake of the game, Hanga, that pesky saber-toothed tiger, you've got to keep track of what, what he's doing and, and whether it's worth the risk to maybe ignore him for a turn. Yeah. Or not, you know, those type of things is popping up on every turn. Um, is there anything more that needs to be said no, about that? It kind of no. is what it is. Yes. All right. And, and on that note, I also have resilience because mm. once in a while, Hanga is going to come around and get your resource. And on the next turn, the player to your left may fulfill the trade agreement that you wanted to do. Well, yeah. the next time your turn comes around, you have to make a decision if you're going to feed it. Hango or not, and you cannot live this game in the past. You have to look at what you're going to do next with the four little mini puzzles that are in front of you. Yeah. And resilience is a game that teaches students how to quickly recover from and cope with difficulties. So the game is not mean. The game looks fantastic on a table. We talked about that. This would be a perfect game to have in a library or a place like that. But it all is also a game that we'll we'll take your stuff. So how are you going to respond to that? Yeah. Well, and that you, you mentioned that puzzle aspect, and that's where I've got spatial perception. It's a game that strengthens a student's understanding of the spatial relationships with the objects in their environment and themselves and how they rotate those circular cards and where they put them. You have to do a lot of mental visualization on where those hands and those actions are occurring and how you may be able to rotate and manipulate it. Okay, if I put it here, I can get, you know, fish and go to the temple. If I put it there, I can get water and pet Hanga, you know. But if I put it on the other side, I can pet Hanga and, and go on the mammoth track, you know. So there's a lot of those things like, okay, based on the way that the hands are located on my card, where can I manipulate it and rotate it in order to get the action that, that best serves me? That's excellent. Not on your list? No, it's Shocker. not. Because I, I wanted to just stick to five. I think there's so, you know, we've had a lot of crossover so far. But I'm Just gonna, one. 
I'm gonna. I think we're going to have more. I'm going to read the definition of a skill, and you tell me if this is in the game without saying the skill right okay. off the bat. A game that improves students' ability to organize and plan how long they spend on specific activities before running out of time. Uh, if I, I if yeah, I'm I know, racing I know up, what it is. I think it's a. Yeah. I think it's a. For me, it would go in a honorable mention. All right, I have time I management in, in the top five skills because with those f- four little. Um, pieces that are going on, and especially that racing component. If you get to the top of the monument, um, there's a five, a three, a two, and a one. And whenever somebody gets to the top, it all starts over. And so how, how long you're going to spend on that? Did I say that right? Am yeah. yeah, they, yeah. You, uh, however, every, every, however far you are up on the temple, it scores out. You get a certain number of points, and then everybody goes back to the bottom of the temple, and it starts over yeah, again. And how long do I want to spend on that temple track? How long do I want to spend the the Mammoth track is um, resources get paid out in there. So how long do I want to spend on these tasks within the game? There's a little bit of balance that exists in the game, and you have to uh, spread out across the board. So managing time, there's not a timer, there's not a clock, yep. but the, the turns are the, are the time management piece. So my last two kind of go together, and it's resource management mm-hmm. along with logistics. So I wanted to, I was thinking about, well, is this a tactical game? Is this a strategic game? Oh, it's like and, chicken and, or egg question. And again. I feel like the logistics kind of encompasses that a little bit better, which is you're working towards goals that are changing based on the uh, card that you have and the actions that you can take. It's not so much the other players. It's really the card that that is up for you, right? Yeah and, yeah. and and what trade agreements are out and things like that of, okay, how can I rotate this? And it's, I, I don't want to say you're not, you're not working from turn to turn where I would, I would say like a, a tactical thing where it's like, oh my gosh, the whole board is different from my last yeah. turn. It's not that, but it's also, you're not able to plan your entire strategy for the entire game right from the front and think that you're going to do that. Yep. Um, so I think it's almost like, when I think about logistics, I think about little deliveries and three or four turn rotations where it's like, okay, how do I build it up, which is managing my resources and then completing a task, moving on, completing a task. There's moving no on. doubt about the resource management because the tasks are many, like yeah. you said. So if you know where to throw that hand down and if it allows you to get two mushrooms and, um, well, not a water, that'd be a, a tough card. Um, what's <laughs> impossible. That? Yeah. Yeah. A berry. A berry. I guess it's a if berry. It allows you to get two mushrooms and one berry and that allows you to fulfill a, a contract on your turn. That's yeah. so in, in it's he- that emergent resource management, like turn to turn resource management. Yeah. Right? So yeah. a resource management, a game that uh, boosts a student's capacity to efficiently and effectively oversee available assets. You're managing your water, your fish, your mushrooms and your berries. And then the logistics component of it is the game that allows students to manage production flow between the point of origin and the point of consumption. So are you taking those resources and spending them to fulfill trade agreements? Are you spending them to buy mammoths? Are you yeah. you know, trading in your water? You can trade in two water to act as any wild, any other of the resources. You know, So how you're using them is where that logistics component comes into it. It's not necessarily just about a a set collection type of resource right. management. 
So if we were to go back and track our skills, I wonder how many times logistics and resource management are linked. They seem to be linked skills. And I know for me personally, whenever I have resilience as a skill, I also usually have competition. They mm. seem to come in hand to hand, and that's my fifth skill. Competition is a game that develops healthy competitive habits as two or more parties compete for a goal or reward that isn't shared. And so in this game, the resources are finite and you are trying to collect them. And as I talked about in resilience, you can't live on past turns or what the person just did. You really have to make those quick decisions on your turn and keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I to your question of how, how often are resource management and, and logistics linked, I, I would be very interested yeah. on that because I don't, it's, it's interesting because I think that they are linked. But I don't know that we've linked them that often. Okay. In game, in like in our skill, you know, in these discussions. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if there's a, a little bit of of this being so closely tied to resources. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're trying to work our way across a board or or do things like that, but you don't necessarily. Maybe it's the theme that makes this feel very much like hunting, hunting and gathering. Yeah, that makes it the that resource really solidified because they water, fish, berries, and mushrooms feel like resources. You know. Yeah. So. This this game did something similar for me that another recommended game of the week, Adventureland, did. We've we've done that one, right? I'm yeah, not making yeah, that up. Yeah. Where you, you're moving the board and the gameplay is different. So because the board is different and the gameplay is different, you're kind of going on that little adventure feel and fulfilling all those tasks along the way. It's it's different. It's fun. I yeah. don't know where I'm going on that. Wild tangent at the end of skills. Well, the, the, the similarity for me between Adventureland and Hanga is the idea of a very simple mechanism that provides for a lot of choices. Fun. And it's fun. Yeah. There's no, there's, you have one card place it somewhere on the board that's all you have to do in yeah. Adventureland, you have you can move your guy as far as you want and there's bad stuff that could happen that's too it. that's like it. in Adventureland, yeah. you got the water yeah. sprite that comes along and hanga you've got the saber tooth tiger so haba does an excellent job of, of yeah. making uh family games in general so if that's something that's uh appealing to you Check certainly certainly hanga certainly Adventureland, certainly um karuba yeah, you know, at some of these games that are really strong contenders, and and that's Hanga, our recommended game of the week. One, one little note: we don't usually do this all the time, but they they have wonderful sales. And yeah. So if you just are patient, whether it's Amazon or your favorite online store or stores, um, they do have really good sales, and you can get them at a reasonable price. Well, even Haba directly, I think, has yeah. some pretty good free shipping I, stuff from time to time. I can too. attest to that. So. so, all right. Well, that is Hanga, our recommended game of the week. Let's move on to the School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming. Love that, Johnny Redker. Keep it going. We discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education. This week, we'll be talking about the game schooler notebook, Power Play. Two 90s Chicago Bulls references in one episode. Doug, I'm proud of you. Keep going. (laughs) As if I've never watched a sport in my life. All right. So, Power Play Notebook is 
something we developed for the game Villainous, Disney Villainous. Um, and I'm just going to read a little bit of the, the description to kind of talk about what it, it does. You're going to um, read your own copy. This yeah, is great. Get yeah. him, Doug. Actually, I went record shopping. This is a side tangent, but I went record shopping with my brother. He's a big vinyl collector. And so we go into all these CD record shops. And I like to go in there and pick out the albums from the 1960s and read the copy on the back. <laughs> it is a delight. And I think I might start a blog. What takes up more space, your board games or your brother's vinyl collection? Uh, definitely my board games. Okay. But he does have them in a calyx. <laughs> All right. Uh, one one of these calyxes, so he's doing all right. Uh, all right, so Disney Villainous is a family board game with a heavy dose of strategy. In this game, you are playing as one of the many villains from Disney Universe. The tricky part is that, and this is a, the unique part of Disney Villainous, and we certainly talked about it. Uh, it was one of our recommended game of the week, so you can go back. Michael's going to look up right now what episode that was. What am I, your lackey? I'm looking yeah. it up right now. Hurry I'll tell up. you what episode it. it was. Um, but the tricky part is that each villain has a unique win condition. So in order to play this game kind of effectively, you need to know your own villain's nuances, but understanding how, and that's in episode four, Michael's telling me, he's unable to use his voice. Um, it's in episode four, Doug. Yeah. I I'm, don't know how many times I can ruin your train of thought in one segment, but I'm going to set a personal record here. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, Tell them about the notebook. Yeah, so... You need to know what you need to do to win, but also what your opponent needs to do so you can stop them. Um, so in this this notebook, gamers explore each of the six villains before playing the game, and the player gets like five minutes to study each villain's player guide and their cards. And they're going to complete a little section on each villain before moving on to the next villain. And it includes a quiz to prepare students to play as and against each villain. Uh, this actively approaches learning and recall from a unique and engaging perspective. After completing the notebook, the gamers will have a personalized guide to help them make a complex game more enjoyable. So when we were thinking about this notebook, one of the things was Villainous is such a great game, but there's... But, and it's a big but. There's a learning curve it's on It's hard there. to teach. Yeah. I... Um, and we've talked about this, uh, although I'm a, a licensed certified teacher in the state of Wisconsin, uh, I do struggle at teaching board games sometimes. I've gotten better at it, but I really failed on Disney Villainous, teaching it to my kid and my kid's friend. And so, you know, th this guide helps. It's to, to solve that because there Every character has their own win condition. So you're playing with six or eight different characters. They all have different win conditions. Yeah. Well, and it's important, too, because it's one thing to know how you win. It's like, I can win the game by doing this. But if you have no idea what the other players are doing, you have no idea how close they are and yep. when you need to try and stop them or what you can do to stop them. And so this just kind of creates like a little primer for you to learn a little bit about every villain before you start the game, or even, you know, if you're using this in a classroom, you could do it the day before you yep. could do this activity and then the next day play the game. If you're you know? doing this in the classroom, I would just send the notebook home with, with kiddos and just send it home and say, look this well, they, over. Well, they wouldn't gonna... have all the resources though, the, the game components. Yeah. You kind of need to be sitting around the table. Yeah, that's true. Depends on the age and if they have access to the internet, if they could check things out. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I also think that... Well, I don't know that there's enough information online to fill in all the gaps. You kind of need to... I don't know okay. if all of those guides are available. 
I um, think if somebody got on Board Game Geek, now I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions that a 12 year old and their parents going to sit down and get on Board Game Geek, but um, they could start to learn the game. This would help them to learn the game. Yeah, you think that's a stretch? Well, I think it it, it may or may, it may be possible. Um, I think having five kids or six kids sit around a table and, and rotate stations, yeah, that's is, the best is ideal. Um, I mean, the 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 thing about this is that this notebook is going to simulate activities that you need to use in a professional world, which is can somebody take information, learn it, and execute actions based off of what they've just comprehended, and that's kind of the driving force of. Uh, not only are they are your kids learning how to play this game a little bit better, understand it before they play it, but also training them on that idea of of learning information and processing and putting it into action, uh, which is certainly vital to to success. Yeah, and the notebook does have a, a little quiz. I don't. I mean, is that a good way of of putting it? It's a quiz. Yeah, it's, it's a, quiz. a quiz. Yeah. So right before playing the game i mean if if students were to go from station to station and learn the characters right before playing the game you take the quiz correct it together so then you sit down at the table you're ready to play the game and everybody has a clear understanding about what the roles do and you have a guide in front of you yeah so that's uh that's our our notebook for this week uh download it it's going to be available on the website yeah It'll, it'll be up on board BGG, Any of our Geek. friends from Prospero Hall, if you want to host it on your own website, you're more than welcome to do that. that we have too. our express permission to do that. They they make wonderful games, and yeah. quite a few of their games have been recommended games of the week, and uh, this is another one of those. And, and we hope that this guide helps to teach you to play the game better. Yeah, and certainly brings you more joy. Yeah, and certainly if you do download it and check it out, please let us know uh, what you think about it, so we can. Uh, take that under advisement, improve it if we need to, or completely destroy it from the internet forever. Yes. Uh, depending on on what your feedback is. So that is the Power Plane Notebook for Disney Villainous. Let's move on to the High Five Challenge. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. And if your wallet's getting a little heavy, this week's... <laughs> and you want to buy some more games, join the Doug Kotecki Game Club. This week's High Five includes a top five list of family-friendly animal games. Got a full list this week, Michael? I do. All right. Let me ask you a question. Are they all good? No, I'm just uh, kidding. They're outstanding. <laughs> so what's an animal game? We're going to have to define this. Is Sushi Go an animal game? There's fish in it. What about Raccoon Tycoon? Is that an animal game? There's a... No, I, I went with the idea that it is expressly yeah. about animals in some capacity, not... I found myself needing a definition to put my list together. Transient. Yeah. Uh, and so what did you... Is sushi go on your list, Michael? No way. I defined an animal game as a game in which you play as animals or animals are present on every turn. Play as animals. Interesting. So animal is your character, or an animal is present in the game on every turn. All right. Got any honorable mentions? None. All right. Let's move on. Number you, five. You don't have any? I have one, but I don't really feel like mentioning it. So I'm sure it'll Uh-oh. pop up on your list, and it's not one that I'm a super fan of. So so you have a board game that you look down on. It doesn't even make your honorable mention list, and you're fairly certain it's going to pop up on my list. Okay, I know I'm, what it is. Keep yeah, going. I'm guaranteeing it's on your list. What's number five? Maybe on the top. 
You want you want me to go first? Yeah. Number five is animal and, and is animal upon animal. Yeah, I, I thought you'd do this one. You love um, this one. I haven't actually played this game yet. So one of the things I I try and do on all of these lists is try and spread different age groups out so that there's a little bit for you everybody. You do a good job of that, Doug. You know, whether it's you know that it's not all complex games, it's not all kids games. This one is going to fall in the kids game. My three-year-old loves playing animal That's upon awesome. animal, and she rolls the dice. You stack the animals up, um, and she just has a blast with it. It's a great game for that three to six range. Yeah, you know, you're working on dexterity, but quite frankly, it can be fun even the older that you get, just because it gets the 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 stack gets taller. Yeah. Who designed yeah. that one? No idea. But that's a hobby game. It's right? a hobby game. Yep. yep. So one of their, I, I think it's on the twentieth, tenth or twentieth anniversary. Okay. They have a Christmas version. There's a unicorn version. There's a bunch of different versions. Cool. But the uh, the original animal animal upon animal is a winner for me. Awesome. Your number great. five. My number five is Planet 2018. Mm. Ertis Solinskis. And Ertis, I apologize if there's anyone who's mispronounced your name more than than anyone else in the world. It's probably us and our show because you have designed an awesome game that we talk about very frequently. And this is a blue-orange game. Complexity is 1.62 out of 5 on the BGG scale. And in Planet, you have a dodecahedron with tiles Mm, that you are um, placing down. And um, it is a dodecahedron, right? Every time yeah. one of us says it, yeah. the other one doubts it. And no, I'm not it. Yeah. doubting it. I... Yeah. And and there's animals in, in the game, and the animals are, are, are present, and the, the cards are beautiful with, with the animals on it. So that's my number five. That is a good one, Michael. That one's not on my list, and I'm uh, a little bit sad that I didn't think of it. I will take your compliment. I will store it directly in my heart, and I will use it at a later time. What do you have at keep, number four? Keep it forever. <laughs> animal upon animal is a 1.04 in the complexity. <laughs> yeah, Who rated that more than a... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like bingo, huh? Okay, so the person that rated it medium heavy on <laughs> board game... Medium beat, heavy? You're stacking That's a animals. number four. Somebody rated it a number four. That's just a troll. That's a dirty <laughs> troll putting that medium heavy on there. All right, my number four is... Unfortunately, out of print, but it's got to go on the list. Uh oh. Is animals on board? So hmm. this is fourteen hundred dollars, or how much can I get this for after you describe it? And I get a, co- a cool million. <laughs> um, animal upon animal is a game in which animals you, on board. Or yeah, that that too. <laughs> oh brother, one of those days. Animals on board is a a game in which you are loading up Noah's Ark. Oh, cool. And you are dividing the animals into groups and then adding them to your arc. But your arc can only hold so many. And I think you lose points um, if you have so many of an animal. So you're trying you, – actually, you have to get exactly two. Yeah. Right? So you need to get two two animals. It's just a great little game. The animals are fun. They're worth different point values. And the higher the number, the older the animal is. So you kind of cool. kind of grows up as you you see the cards there. Um, oh, that's it, right? Before scoring, all animals in pairs are discarded because a guy called Noah claims all animal pairs for himself. <laughs> so you're trying to get more than a pair because oh, all your pairs are going your pairs to dis- go away. Your pairs go to Noah. 
So, so if you have three, do you have one left? You have one left. And if you have five, do you have three no, left? No, he, he, you keep all three of them then. Okay. So you're trying to just get more or less than a pair. Okay. And any pair. Cool. And so then everybody is dividing these groups up, and you're trying to that get, sounds like fun. get people stuck with different- Do you have that? I do have cool. that. Cool. Yep. Good. So that is my number four animals on board. Great. Well, in number f- my number four is Fox in the Forest, 2017, Joshua Burgle, Renegade Games. Complexity is 1.58 out of 5, which I would argue it should probably be higher. But this is a two-player trick-taking game. And in the part of the world where we live, where Euchre and Sheep's Head are two games that are played all the time, the first time I played Fox in the Forest, I, I, I fell in love with this game. And uh, I've played it with non-gamer friends who, who understand and play trick-taking games. Uh, very easy to teach and learn and play. I would have it much higher, except it is just a two-player trick-taking game. So that does limit... It, it limits... Um, how am I trying to say this? It, it, it limits... The audience. The audience, yeah. When you can play it. And if you have four people over, you're not going to play Fox in the Forest. So, so Doug's looking at me like he's about to beat me up for well, having remember, this. Remember that comp- compliment I just gave you? I'm going to take it right back. Yeah. You don't think that's an animal game? Well, I think it's got an animal on the cover, but I don't really feel like there's anything animally too much about it. A lot of the artwork has people and spirits and things like that. I don't. You're playing foxes every t- single no, time no. out of your hand. No, not everyone is a fox. Let me look. Uh, yeah, you, you keep go look. You keep bantering. What's four on yours? I just did four. You move on to your three. My number three is probably the one that Doug had on his non-honorable mention list because this is one of my favorite games, and that is Ecos First Continent, published in 2019. The designer is John D. Clare, one of my favorite uh, board game designers, published by AEG, and the complexity on Ecos is 2.63 out of 5. And in Ecos... There is a bingo mechanism where you are drafting tiles out of the bag, out of a bag blindly, and then people are placing the resources based on the tile uh, that is drawn until a person draws the harbinger. Then the bag gets moved around the table. So I like that there's uh, tiles, or I'm sorry, I, I like that blind draw component with um, the tiles that are being brought up on the board. I have a, a family member who loves animals and um, really enjoys this game. And hold on, Doug, before you <laughs> blast me here, let me finish my shout-out to, to Ecos First Continent. Um, and Ecos is the, – the artwork is beautiful. The components are great. The only problem is it's difficult to store. It's a little fiddly. Tonight's list, actually all five of the games are in my own personal collection – and as much as I love Ecos, there has been more than one time where it's like, well, we only have an hour to play, and I know I'm going to spend the last 20 minutes picking it up, so I'm actually going to pick a different game. Not that that should be somebody's reason, but especially if you're using this in a school or community saying there's just a lot of little tiny pieces with it. But if you have, uh, it plays up to six players well, and it plays fast. So if you have five to six players and you're looking for an animal game with some amazing artwork and really solid design, I like Ecos. Go ahead. What did you want to say about the 2020 Spiel des Jahres nominee, uh, Fox in the Forest? Uh, as you'll notice, there's maybe... There's a fox. Well, yeah, but the rest <laughs> of the cards are all... There's angels and 
things. So now the fox in the forest is not an a animal game. What's in your number three slot, Doc? Well, first I want to comment Hold on Ecos. Before our laptops are smashing each yeah, other. Yeah, well. They're, they're right. yours. Uh, so I do want to comment on Ecos is that I think this is a is a great choice. Um, I think the, the animals this is definitely an animal game. I think the way that the animals work is is really good. I just don't personally care for the game that much. I think and it's, that happens, right? I think it's a little too fiddly for my tastes, which mm-hmm. is why it's not on my list and not something that I would necessarily recommend. But I still think it's a an excellent choice for this list. So um, I'm not going to bury you on that one. And it it, it almost made my rec- my honorable mention just because I know how strongly the the theme and stuff kind of work yeah. together. Um, it's got a great like African vibe to some of the artwork yeah. and stuff like that. So the really, really Safari's cool. excellent. My number three is this a, or rather, sorry, is a uh, bird game we've talked about in the past, which is Wingspan. Yep. Um, which is a, a great little game. It was a recommended game of the week a couple weeks ago. Uh, Elizabeth Hargrave. The artwork is amazing, and there's no way that you can play this game and not kind of get wrapped up oh, in the man, theme. Oh man, it's phenomenal because it's just beating you over the and head. And you're learning with it. about birds. Yeah, every bird card is different. Like I said, if you want more detail on this one, we've we certainly uh, talked about it at great length in a past episode. It uh, was a recommended game of the week. Yes, it was this year. It was. So what is your number two? My number two is another recommended game of the week, and that is Parks from 2019. Henry Autobahn is the designer. Keymaster Games complexity is 2.16 out of 5. Parks is just a fantastic game where um, you have these beautiful cards in your hand and you're trying to collect national park cards. And it's not that... There are a lot of animals that are embedded in the park cards and in the pieces and the components and um, in the artwork. So, I would put this more in the nature category. Oh, gosh. Okay. Thank you for not defining the category, but just telling me how my definition is wrong and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, but okay. But what was your definition? Uh, uh, sushi Go. No. It was a, <laughs> game, was a game that had... Animal game is a game in which you play as animals or animals are present on every turn. Okay. So Parks would be, it'd be in the top five for a nature game. I don't know. I'm leaving it. It's my list, man. Go ahead. What do you got into? I'll allow it. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. All right. Episode 36 is Wingspan for oh, those good. that needed that update. And that, I got to say, that was one of our better episodes. That's a good episode. <laughs> this one's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's going off the rails fast. My, it's all right. My number two, uh, number two we're on, right? Yeah. yeah. My number two is uh, Baron Park. Yeah. And there's a game where you are building a bear park by Phil Walker Harding. And it's just a great little polyomino game. You're putting kind of Tetris pieces out and building your own little bear zoo yep. with different types of bears on it. That's all I got to say about that one. Great little game. Yeah. I'm trying to poke holes in it. There are uh, bears in it, though. A game about a zoo. The bears. <laughs> Poking holes about a zoo game. Uh, well, a game about a parks. Come on. What's, what's, okay. <laughs> Uh, what's your number one? My number one is Concept Kids Animals. Interesting. Which is, I've never had a bad experience with this game. Yep. Kids love it. They're trying to get the, the adults to guess the animal by putting out little markers, whether it's a, a meat eater, plant eater, where it lives. Does it have horns? Does it have a tail? How many feet does it have? What's the age on that? Oh, my kids started playing young. that at three, four, or four, four years old, four or okay. five. 
you know, and there's a different scale of um, two different scales of animals of whether they're easy or hard. You can add like mythical, like a unicorn in there, stuff like that. Cool. Um, and you know, the whole, the whole thing is about animals, but certainly the, the enjoyment that younger kids get from this one yeah. uh, is out of the world, out of this world. My, on one. my number one, I, it's a game I haven't played, so that's great. I'll, I'll need to add that to my want to play list. My number one is a game that is for older kids. Uh, and it's just a game that I've had a lot of fun and joy Zombicide. out of. <laughs> and that is Everdell. 2018 James A. Wilson. That's from Starling Games. 2.82 out of 5. And in Everdale, you're, you're playing cards out of your hand to try to complete uh, different quests. And so there, there's animals in it. Yep, and this is Everdell is the name of the game. I'm Ever- pronouncing it. What does it sound like coming out of my mouth? Oh, Ever- Everdale. Ever, ever. Let me try this again. I'll get the full Midwest out of my Tony. <laughs> my number one game is Everdell. E-V-E-R-D-E-L-L. Everdell. Yeah, I just Tell them about Everdell, No, Doug. it's a great game. Yeah, I love, I love Everdell, but I just want people there to know that. There is an Everdale. Yeah, no, that, and spelling's that, important. That's a, a confusing one there, and it's it's certainly uh, – well, what's the what's the name of the – this is it Everdale in uh, Frozen? What's the name of the uh, – I don't know, but I – The I, Kingdom I, in Frozen. So uh, I think that's some – but in, in this game, in <laughs> Everdell, the board game geek description does great justice to it. It says, use resources to build a village of critters and constructions in this woodland game. I like the social interaction in this game. If this hasn't been a recommended game of the week, which I don't think it has been, just because the cost of this game is a little bit higher, um, there's a lot of really good things that happen as you play cards out of your hand to try to build your own little kingdom and and the social interaction with other gamers at the table as you're competing over rewards is just so much fun. So that's my number one, uh, animal game. Yeah. Great game. Everdell. I love that one. Uh, good, excellent choice for number one. For those of you screaming into your podcast speakers, the city from Frozen, the kingdom is Arendelle. Arendelle. How did we not know that? How many times have we seen that movie? I don't know. Uh, too many. Yeah. Uh, so Not enough, apparently, in this house. People screaming. Well, you really it's threw Arendelle. me for a curveball. It's Arendelle. Say Threw me for a curveball with that. I was like, I, I don't know, Doug. I'm trying to tell you about my number one recommended game here. Don't you, don't you want to know? I was thinking it was... Everdale, and that's why I can't find Everdale. Uh, no, as I don't a think Everdale game. is a board game. Oh, but okay. I'm just saying that if somebody goes and looking for it, they're not going to find the game we're talking about, which no, is it's Everdale. Everdell. Everdell. E v e r d e l l. Well, that's it. All right, great list, Michael. You too, uh, Doug. For uh, the most part. For the most part. All right, so that is the high five animal games. Uh, before we go, just want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at GameSchoolerU. Again, reach out to us. We want to hear from you guys, want to know what you want to hear. If there's something you like, don't like, want us to change, things that you want more of, we'd be happy to to expand and are looking forward to, to doing what whatever our audience wants, we're ready to do it. Eh, within reason. Well, we'll see. I'm leaving my options open. So with that, uh, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's all I got. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 